What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Weekly Cheese. It's the Week 14 recap. The Packers took care of business once again against the Chicago Bears, beating them at Lambeau Field 45-30 to on Sunday Night Football. There's so much to get into. It really was a surprisingly epic game. Touchdown scored in every single which way imaginable. Another major injury suffered by the Packers, but ultimately a solid team win that showed the true colors of this Packers squad. Don't go anywhere. You're not going to want to miss it. This is the Weekly Cheese. Super Bowl! Super Bowl! Super Bowl! Super Bowl! Super Bowl! Super Bowl! What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Weekly Cheese. I'm your host, Joe Ivan. Here with me, as always, in studio is Chris. Chris, what's going on? Joe, another fine Monday, but... I'm on the edge of my seat for tonight's game. I'm hoping the pa- the Cardinals go down so the Packers get one step closer to clinching the divisional home spot. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure everyone out there is going to be having their eyes glued to the TV tonight, rooting for the L.A. Rams to take down the Cardinals. Uh, the Packers are simply just one Cardinals loss away from holding the number one overall seed in the NFC playoffs For the second straight year, it would be amazing to have the playoffs come through Lambeau once again, get that one bye that's now out there instead of two as it was for many, many years. So just the one bye. So it's very important the Packers do clinch that number one spot, and we are just waiting for one last Cardinals loss. But we got to go over what went on yesterday. I mean... What an epic Sunday night performance, Chris. Uh, Just the game in general. A lot of people thought it was going to be a blowout, and it ultimately was. In the end, if you stuck around. But for the entire first half, that game was back and forth, and it really was a shootout in every sense of the word. Uh, Just what are your general thoughts on last night's insane game? I don't know. A bit of worry sunk in in the beginning, but... Not much at all, and it was quickly erased. Unfortunately, we did see Billy Turner go down. I'm sure we'll touch on that later, but that kind of took the vibes down a little bit around here. But, oh, my God, 75 total points scored. Joe was back and forth, back and forth. It really was. Plays were made, and I don't know. It was awesome. And ultimately, the Packers did exactly what everyone thought they were. They covered the 12.5-point spread uh, with that amazing Devontae Adams slant route for the final touchdown of the game. I mean, I saw that slant coming from a mile away. I said it like 50 times before the ball was even sounded at Devontae's slant. It was so obvious. I don't know how the Bears just did not pick yeah, up on it's that. It's silly play. when that happens, when you see him ISO out there with just one guy on top of him. It's and, silly. And we're definitely going to get into that because I was getting furious. I was furious with Jalen Johnson, to be honest, throughout the entire game. He was really aggravating me. It was awesome to see Devontae just work him like that. But you're totally right. It was a little scary in the first half. The Packers had a slow start. 
um, just because of how historically bad they are off the bye. Well, over in the LaFleur era, they have not been good off the bye. Yeah. The past two seasons, they've been blown out following their regular season bye, and it another slow start. Like the Packers, they were down 3 nothing at the end of the first quarter, and then the second quarter began, and what transpired was perhaps the single greatest quarter ever played in the history of football. Uh, in the second quarter, it was the first time since 1925 that a single quarter produced five touchdowns of 35 yards or more. And what makes it even crazier is that it wasn't just five big offensive plays by both teams. It wasn't just a, a huge pass followed by a huge run and just be, work being done by the offense. Touchdowns were literally scored in every possible way you could think of on a football field. The, offensively, they were scored big plays. Defensively and on special teams. It started off by the Chicago Bears. Uh, Jakeem Grant, who... Welcome to the public eye, Jakeem Grant. He's been playing great over the past couple weeks. Apparently, I haven't been too tuned in to what's going on in Chicago, but last night he had himself a crazy game. Yeah, he was game. showing out, yeah. Uh, it's, he started it off the second quarter with a 46-yard touchdown on that little shovel pass yeah. that they did. He was able to get to the edge. That was a in. nice play. It was a nice play. It was some little trickery there. Preston kind of took an inside angle, and Grant got to the outside, and there was five or six lead blockers, and he was just able to burst his way. Yeah, he's a burner, too. He was moving. He's a fast guy. Yeah. and with I mean, there were so many lead blockers on that play that he was basically able to w run untouched into the end zone. <laughs> uh, and the Bears went up 10 nothing early in the second quarter. The Packers responded with a beautiful 11-play 75-yard drive that was capped off with a two-yard touchdown pass and completion to Alan Lazard. It was fourth and goal. I mean, everyone in the stadium was just rooting for LaFleur to go for it. And obviously, as we've seen over the past couple years, but more specifically this season, Matt LaFleur is being very aggressive on fourth down. So it was no surprise fourth and goal on the two that he was yeah. going to go for it and it was good for the confidence of the red zone offense oh. too fourth down it oh, was yeah we needed it and it was Al big and it was a great play Alan's Lazard capped it off but that drive in my opinion was the drive where the Packers won the game and it was highlighted by Josiah DeGuara oh. Josiah DeGuara had a great game but it was this specific drive answering the Jakeem Grant 46-yard touchdown, down 10. The Packers needed to score points, preferably 7. And Josiah DeGuara basically got it done for us. He had the 25-yard completion on the fifth play of that drive. He got the ball moving. The The cork was off, as I guess you could say, the cork was off, and, and the offense now had momentum because DeGuara just barreled down the field for 25 yards. And then on the very next play, he laid down a monstrous lead block for Aaron Jones. And Aaron Jones, I believe, picked up 11 on the run, got another first down, and at that point it was off to the races. As soon as he let it lay down that block, I lost my mind. I looked at you and I said, that play just won us the game because Josiah DeGuara set the tone 
You, you know, you did you know say that play. too. You told, you said you set the tone. He, he set, set the tone the with that as well. Oh man, yeah. He barreled through that guy, and that's exactly what he got brought in to do. In fact, the first couple games of his rookie year, he was laying down lead blocks like that, like once a game. Throw him in there at fullback for well, God's that's sake. basically what he runs. He's like a he's basically a tailback for us. So he he's lining up as the fullback every time we're in that formation and. and for that reason, he set the tone, and that that drive goes to Josiah Deguara. He he got the ball rolling for the entire offense and the team as a whole because from that point forward, the Packers, they were in go mode. They were no longer stalling. Um, immediately following that amazing drive, the long 11-play drive, Rasul Douglas, the next touchdown on the in the insane second quarter, Rasul Douglas, a 55-yard pick six with five minutes left in the second quarter. It's his second pick six in the last two games. I mean, the only other Packer in the history of the franchise to do that is Hall of Famer Herb Adderley. So it's he is in tremendous company there and my goodness, what can you say about Rasul Douglas? Yeah, all the players last night or this morning on their Instagram stories were circulating around a photo of him that said practice squad to pro bowl Rasul. Seriously, he is easily a pro bowler this season. Well, it, on that on that Grant play, they showed a clip of him like like just basically dazzled that that even happened. And I knew right then and there he was like, I need to pick it. I need to force a fumble. So he needed to make a play well, and turn that around. Interesting you bring that up because... In his post-game presser, he was asked about why he didn't Lambo leap after the pick six, and he said because he was mad at himself for the drive before when Grant scored the touchdown, but that touchdown came right after he picked up a, what I will say a controversial pass interference call. So he was down on himself, and he said that he didn't Lambo leap because he was he was just doing his All job. Right, yeah, such a great response, yeah. like. And I love, I love the way Rasul Douglas has played this season, and he made an electrifying play once again, and that just seems to be his M.O. The guy, he's a legit corner, man, and the Packers were so lucky that he panned out the way he did. Um, and then following the Rasul Douglas interception for a touchdown, that happened three plays in to the Bears' drive he, when he had that pick six. Three plays later for the Chicago Bears, Bird, their receiver, had a 54-yard touchdown pass from Justin Fields. Um, unfortunately, Henry Black just had a blown coverage. He gave Bird the inside leverage, and he was able to, to just break free and have an easy 54-yard trot into the end zone. Um, I mean, for the most part, when it comes to Henry Black, I feel as if he's doing a solid job this season. I've seen a couple things here or there this morning, uh, and I had a feeling there was going to be a couple rumblings about it, complaints of Henry Black due to his inconsistency uh, and calling for Goot to go after another safety in the future. And I totally agree, uh, and that's a conversation we could have at the end of the season about going and getting another safety, uh, a legit safety, to complement Amos and Darnell back there. But for the time being, Henry Black is obviously our guy when we go into the dime package. And 
we we live and die with Dar- when Henry Black gets out there. It's just as simple as that. He He's not as bad as people want to make him out to be. He's had an interception this season. He's made a play here or there. And for 20 snaps a game, I believe in Henry Black to do his job. It was a one-blown coverage. He could have Ele- had another 11 pick. of those 20 snaps a game from Henry Black will be quality snaps. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Like, at least 11 of the 20. Yeah, and, and we just got to live with it because what are we going to do at this late in the season and go find a stud safety that could come play 20 snaps? No. We got Henry Black. He's been with the squad for two years now, and he's coming into his own – each week, he's getting more confidence. Yeah, so, yeah, he has that room to turn up to. You've yeah. seen the potential that, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and I, I don't want to hear any Henry Black slander just because he had a blown coverage in this game. I mean, it happens. It's the NFL. Everyone that guy's getting there. paid too. Yeah, everyone's good out there. And yeah. I just wanted to take this time to come to Henry Black's defense for this blown coverage because it wasn't a great play. And Collinsworth made that very well known with his telestrator. I mean, could he, he was have having circled? I, I don't know if it was that sequence, but he was having issues with oh, that telestrator. Remember been, that one point? Yeah, he showed his age there with his inability to work the telestrator. Yeah, he was having extreme the, issues. The telestrator wasn't introduced to his his work description, his job description, until the mid-90s probably. So he's still trying to figure that thing out. And he had a fun time humiliating Henry Black on national television with that one. He circled him like 50, 60 different angles. It's like, just let off the guy. He had a blown coverage. Yeah, he has nothing else to do, so he had to expose the guy. Yeah, and after that play, the Bears had a 17-14 lead. Like, this game quickly went from 3-0 to 17-14 in the blink of an eye. And to make matters worse, the Bears would strike again relatively quickly. The Packers would go five plays and punt. And on that punt, Jakeem Grant returns a 97-yarder for a touchdown. The fact that he even tried to field that punt is ridiculous. Who fields a punt while backing up on the two- or three-yard line? Inside the five, you're not supposed to catch it. But he did, and he brought it to the house. I mean, Bears up 24-14, and just like that, The Packers are down 10 again with just a couple minutes left to go in the first half. And that was just a clear-blown coverage on the the punt coverage. I mean, the special teams is an issue that we will talk about at the end of the show in a little more depth. But this was just one of many special teams' blunders on the night. And to say the least... It is an issue. It's bad. It just seems like they're in their own head right now. It's like they're thinking about it or something. It's like bad. It's very bad. It's an issue. And it's going to come haunt us if it doesn't get cleaned up. So uh, that's all I'll say about that for right now. But luckily, the Packers have Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. And that 10-point lead in just a matter of minutes quickly vanished. Uh, Devontae Adams... Caught a 38-yard touchdown pass from Aaron Rodgers that cut the lead to 3-24-21 with under a minute left to go in the first half. You can't say um, that that low energy, though. That pass and that catch, I mean, yeah. the way he caught it shifted and then that Bears DB took out the other's Bear DB. Joe, you have to, well, yeah, we what, have to touch on what, this. Uh, we're going to talk about the passing game as a whole in just a couple minutes here, but that play was unreal. Yes. Aaron Rodgers took a really deep drop, and, and he placed that ball 
on a button directly in the palms of Devontae Adams' hands on the five-yard line in between two guys. Like, Devontae, there were... There was two defenders surrounding Devontae Adams. He catches it right in between them and just is able to juke back one little step. And the Bears injured each other, basically. They had a collision. Yeah, one guy clotheslined the other guy from the top rope. That guy was limping into the the tunnel. Yeah. It was not good. It was a devastating blow he took. All because Devontae Adams' awareness and body control. And he just tiptoed into the end zone and just like that the Packers cut the lead within three all momentum came to the Packers and like in the new Madden game the frozen tundra was activated (laughs) the the momentum meter was completely on the side of the Packers for all but 45 seconds because that kickoff was fielded by Jakeem Grant for 42 yards setting the Bears up in a beautiful field position, and they were able to boom, boom, down the field, two, three plays, and set up a long field goal right before the half and regame a six-point lead going into the break. In hindsight, I think they felt fine giving up that field goal. I don't think they, they cared at all. As long as they didn't give up a touchdown, they knew what they were about to do to them coming out of the coming out of They the were half. fine giving up the, the field goal just due to the fact that they had such good field position, but my God! Well, yeah, how and the, well, is the, the kickoff coverage so bad? I know, how is he returning but between the special yards? teams and the way the defense was playing, okay and well, but they weren't rolling, rolling. So I, the fact that they contained them and held them from scoring again, Joe, the way that half, the well, the quarter was going again. was insane. Well, yeah, they got a few. They scored, not a touchdown. Yeah, if, but that should never have happened. It was all thanks to poor kickoff coverage. A theme. A theme that's going on here because um, giving up that three points right before the half to make it a six-point game instead of a three-point game against a team that isn't the Chicago Bears it's devastating. is devastating, and, and it can't happen. So, again, things like that need to clean up. But fortunately, once the second half started, it was all Green Bay. I mean, they would outscore the Bears 24-3 to the entire second half. That includes a 17 to nothing third quarter coming out of the half Aaron led the offense down the field uh, with ease AJ Dillon got rolling up the gut um, and they went on a nine play 75 yard drive that ended with Aaron Jones just walking it in for three yards Um, and then the defense came out and, and made a statement play to start the half for themselves on the second bear snap of the third quarter Preston Smith shed Jimmy Graham and then took on the the left tackle, uh, got held, but laid down a strip sack on Justin Fields. Rashawn Gary recovered the ball on like the 25-yard line in scoring position. And then one play later, Aaron threw an insane, like, over, like, it was just, that was the best play of the game, I think. He went play action. Rolled out to his right and then went back left over the the middle linebacker's hands right to Aaron Jones. And Jonesy dove into the end zone, hit the pylon. He had a nice throw to Lazard in the beginning of the game, too, where it was over those two guys, oh, but he, under the one yeah. guy. Yeah. Dude, he was just on one. He was on one. fire, He yeah. was on one. Uh, and, and then just like that, after the 23-yard Aaron Jones touchdown following the strip sack, the Packers were up 35-27 and never looked back. The game was over. 
the defense then forced three straight three and outs. The offense capped off the day with another long drive. 12 plays, nearly nine minutes. Devontae caught the second touchdown on that obvious slant, um, leaving Jalen Johnson in the dust. I mean, can we just talk about how much praise this Jalen Johnson guy was getting from Chris Collinsworth? I mean, the refs could have called two or three holding penalties on Jalen Johnson throughout the game. They only hit him with the one, and and Chris Collinsworth was basically making it out to seem like Devontae Adams was silent and, and eliminated from the, from the game entirely throughout the first half. I mean, you would have thought Jalen Johnson was shutting him down. So to see Jalen Johnson literally get his ankles broken on that final slant, getting left in Devontae's dust made me so happy. Um, and then Shannon Sullivan would end the day by picking off Justin Fields in garbage time. Kirk Benkert in his first NFL action would take the knee, and then he posted the I picture saw that. of his knee. That that made me laugh. <laughs> I mean, it was, was that frost or paint? That, that was, was the so paint. funny. Yeah, that's so funny. He's the human victory cigar for that for that one. And, and yeah, the Packers dominated the Bears once again, forty-five to thirty, in what was just another day at the office for Aaron Rodgers and company. I mean extend that record to 10 and 3 and they're eyeing down their sh- third straight three loss season with just four to go in the regular season it's just feel good monday here on the weekly Chiefs. the vibes are high feel good monday not yes. to mention we just got a new arcade machine in the studio we got dig dug rolling on there i mean vibes are high here at the weekly cheese and i hope you, you all out there are sharing the same vibes on this fine Monday morning. Super Bowl! So now that we've gone through kind of how it all went down last night, Chris, let's go over the good stuff. Let's go over the positives that we took from last night's domination of the Chicago Bears. Uh, so how, what do you see out there that you, you loved? Me, personally, I think Aaron's toe is doing much better. He was asked about wow. it after the game. I don't, honestly, it was so late, I don't really remember even he exactly what he said. He did say it's acting up on him. So he said that, well, said he was worse. evading well. He had that one nice double evasion, but... Doesn't seem to be bothering him. Doesn't seem to be bothering him, but Aaron, he was unstoppable. He had 341 yards, four TDs, no picks, and just eight incompletions for a 141 passer rating. I mean... Just another high, high passer rating in the books for Aaron Rodgers. I mean, they were showing the list of all of his incredibly high logged passer ratings, and what? Is I think in his last five games against the Bears, he has like an over a 126 passer rating or something. Yeah, like that. that's insane. It's just insanity. I mean, just over the last three weeks alone, Aaron Rodgers has thrown ten touchdowns and no interceptions, and he's now moved right up there to second in the league with a 108. QBR on the season Uh, week in and week out with the injured foot and all he is making a case for himself to win another MVP award and he's got my vote that's for damn sure I mean last night he was making unreal throws Uh, the 38 yard touchdown pass to Devontae as we highlighted was just a dime a dime that not many can even think well, that about Lazard, I don't think a lot of people can make that Lazard throw either. The Lazard throw was an underrated one. It was for an sure. underrated yeah. one. Yeah, and then 
again, I like that Aaron Jones throw. He's, he even said after the game that it reminded him of a play that he saw Brett Favre do one time that blew his mind when Brett Favre threw it. And, and it was an insane throw. It was literally like a centimeter off from that that defender's hands there, and it just fell right into Aaron Jones' lap Yeah, with a clean shot at the end zone in front of him. It was just nuts. Um, and, but really, the passing game as a whole was insanity. It wasn't just Devontae and Jones there. He got the ball around the entire yard. I mean, yeah, Devontae Adams finished with 100 yards for his third straight game, 10 receptions, 121 yards, and two touchdowns. And, yeah, he tied Jordy Nelson for the second most touchdowns in Packers history. That's a 69, so he's clearly going to move into that sole ownership of number two next week, I'd guess. But, yeah, it wasn't just Devontae Adams. It was everyone else, too. Yeah. Lazard had a great week catching the ball. He had six receptions for 75 yards and a touchdown. And he also had a huge day. He always has a huge day in the blocking game, but he had a huge day in the blocking game. And he even had to hop in there at tight end in some situations to aid Dennis Kelly. Yeah, well, when Jenkins went down, there was a clear shift in the game plan. You saw a lot more Ryan Taylor out there. You saw a lot more... Lazard lining up as an extra lineman there. I mean, they were chipping basically the entire time once Dennis Kelly went out there, and they needed to. Robert Quinn was kind of going off there in the first half, and they just needed to change things up. And Lazard, he is one of the best blocking wide receivers in the league. He gets a lot of heat in the locker room, I believe, for that they tease him and say he's just a blocking receiver. Uh, so it was nice to see him have such a productive day in the air, and it really is his best day as like a receiving option since week three against the Saints last year when he had like over 100-something receiving yards. But since then, that, that was really his best game as a receiving threat, and it was great to see. It was great to see, and it was much needed with the absence of Randall Cobb. So Lazard needed to step up, and he, and he did. But the tight ends also got involved in the passing game in a big way. Uh, I mean, they combined for seven receptions, 95 yards. Big Dog had four for 51. You just know that that dog howling was going off the loudspeaker there in Lambeau Field constantly. And DeGuara, three for 44. Um, and with Big Bub being gone for the remainder of the year and the Packers really being without their receiving threat in the tight end room, to see such a healthy distribution between the two tight ends is... Nice. I enjoy seeing that when I look down at the box score. Yeah, I think DeGuara is playing well above expectations because even one of his three last night, there was like a minute and a half. It was on the Devontae drive right before the shot, and he caught it probably for a three-yard game, ran it up. The Bears were not chasing after him, not providing effort, and he just snuck it up there for like an 11- or 12-yard gain. Yeah, he had a couple of really nice chunk gains on the ground, uh, and again— set the tone with that devastating block yeah he ran through that man yeah i don't even remember who it was but he was shaken up for sure he probably had to go take a take a couple plays off because <laughs> that was just a huge hit uh, it was also a huge day from both of the running backs i said in the preview that i'm sh pretty sure both backs are gonna have a productive day for themselves aj oh, they're both aj i suppose aj <laughs> dylan 15 carries for 71 yards. And again, to start the second half on that first drive, 
they got him rolling downhill. He ran the ball five times for 36 yards and two first downs on that drive. And I love to see it. That guy runs so hard, and we say it all the time. He's impossible to tackle. So, And it's a great way to just really punch him in the face coming out of halftime, just like all the Bears' energy sucked out of him when they have to tackle, tackle that guy. Yeah, and thanks to the fact that we have such a dominant second running back in A.J. Dillon who can take the 15 carries and devastate the defense with his, with his power – it made for a perfect day for Aaron Jones. Obviously, Aaron Jones has hurt his MCL. He's been dealing with the sprained MCL for a couple weeks now. Uh, the the Rams game, he played a decent amount, and I was kind of shocked by that. But if you think about it, it was a perfect day for him in the sense where he kind of got to rest the knee it, as much as possible. But he still had two touchdowns and over 60 yards. Like, it was an insane day. In just eight touches, he had five carries, 35 yards, and a rushing touchdown, and three receptions, 30 yards, and a receiving touchdown. Perfect day for the guy. Yeah, I mean, this is what I touched on a little bit last week, but AJ, his, his ability to just say, hey, Aaron, sit this one out for a second. Go get, you know, two or three first downs. Get off the sideline. The defense is exhausted and broken from having to try to wrap him up and bring him down. Aaron Jones can just run around in there, catch the pass. and Well, we said it even on Aaron Jones' rushing touchdown. Like, right before that, A.J. Dillon failed to get in up the gut, and that was like the fifth time they rolled him up the middle that drive. Yeah. And we looked at show we said, I think it's time to get Jonesy in there to, yeah. to, to go to the outside because there was a pretty big opening on the left that I believe Jones would have hit on that A.J. Dillon run. And... Two seconds later, he's trotting onto the field and then into the end zone. Uh, so it was just a perfect day in terms of game plan execution from from the offense, particularly in the second half. Um, but the offense also cleaned things up in the red zone. They finished three for four, and they finished with a 10-minute advantage in terms of time of possession, which in the pregame preview, I highlighted highlighted as probably the most important factor going into the game, being holding on to the rock. When the Packers have a huge time of possession lead like that this season, they win big. Um, and on the defensive side of the ball, I mean, in the preview, I stated they need to basically do three things to shut down the Bears. And they failed to do those three things throughout the first half. Obviously, the special teams didn't help them one bit. Um, but defensively, they needed to stop David Montgomery early in the game, force Justin Fields to have to play quarterback, make decisions, and when he's doing so, get after him and turn him over. And the Packers did that. They did just that. In terms of stopping David Montgomery, Devondre Campbell was an absolute machine. I mean, he was a tackling machine. He was involved in almost every football. damn play. Well, he was everywhere. Coming off the COVID list, the man did not miss a beat. He finished with a season-high 16 tackles, which is just an insane number, and he's probably the biggest reason why David Montgomery only had 42 rushing yards on the day. Uh, he was just all over the field. Wherever the ball was, you saw number 59 lingering around there somewhere. He laid some heavy hits as well on the day. And, yeah, he shut down David Montgomery early, and he really forced Justin Fields into making some plays with his arm. And 
He made a couple. He made a couple, but no. Fortunately for the Bears, it doesn't seem like he can. No. Uh, oh, really? not with the offensive line he Definitely currently not. has no. in front of him. Because the Packers' pass rush was able to get off. I mean, they pressured Fields on 54% of his dropbacks, and it was literally coming from every which way. Every which way. Five players, Chris, had five or more pressures on the night. Rashawn Gary had eight pressures. Kenny had seven pressures and three quarterback hits. Kingsley Kiki had five pressures and two hits. Dean Lowry had five pressures and a hit. But most impressively, the player of the game, in my opinion, Preston Smith. Ten total pressures, two sacks, a forced fumble. After the game, every defensive player that spoke talked about how Preston got on them at halftime. Uh, and said basically uh, in the the, the non-swear word version, this is not how we play. That was his message to the locker room. He challenged the whole defense as well as the defensive players that were on special teams to step it up and start playing Packer football. He said they don't lose at home, and he said that they cannot go out there. And he he changed the energy of the entire team coming out of the half. And I love hearing this about Preston Smith. We've known how important he is to this Packers team since he got in here. Um, last year, we could harp on it all we want. No point in doing it. He didn't have a great season. But this year, he has been absolutely dominant. He is obviously the veteran leader in Zedarius's absence. And, I mean, to hear that he got on people's, like, he was chewing guys out in the locker room is awesome in itself, but the fact that he not only did that, but then he went out there and led by example, and on the second defensive play of the ha- second half, he forced a, sh- a fumble and he sacked Fields. Like he ma- he led by example, and that's what's most impressive about Preston Smith. I mean, I love the guy, Chris. Any thoughts on this man? Because he had himself a night. I don't know. He's a man on a mission, Joe. I think he has a lot of those incentives built into his contract, so you're going to see some incredible, incredible play from Preston Smith coming down the stretch run here. Yeah, I mean, just since Week 10 alone when we were in Green Bay watching that Seattle game, he's been one of the most productive pass rushers in football. He has 31 pressures and five sacks since Week 10, and he seemed to really have just returned to his prime and optimal form. He's a beast. He's pulling out the old predator celebration where he, yeah, where he just like, oh, loads up like an anime character, I think. He's just like, bah! It's so badass when he does that. And I mean, yeah, you're right, Chris. He has seven sacks on the year, uh, which makes him halfway to receiving his max incentives. Um, basically, from here on out, every sack Preston Smith has, he's one step further to an incentive. If he gets eight sacks, so one more sack will net him a, an additional five hundred thousand. Uh, Ten sacks will net him an additional seven fifty on top of that, and it just goes down the line all the way up to a potential four point four. Uh, pardon me, two point four million dollars if he eclipses the fourteen sack mark. So there's a lot out there for him, and I'm I'm really hoping he gets there. Yeah, me too. I hope he gets it because the only reason he even has to hit those incentives in the first place is because he's the team guy and took a little bit exactly. less money to come he back. I really himself hope he gets it, yes. To be here in a way that I believe 
was a win-win for everyone involved because it's now obviously got him hungry to go get that QB down oh, the stretch yeah. here. And considering everything going on in Baltimore uh, with their offensive line situation and, I mean, their Tyler QB Huntley and everything going on there, Preston Smith can really hopefully he shows out let's go really preston preston if you're dent. listening and we know you are yeah make a dent baby yeah, come on get three and get to that 10 mark and really bring it home to end the year yeah. come on preston you got the weekly cheese in your corner preston we love you over here but thanks to the fact that preston smith and co were able to just get after it all game long the Packers were able to easily win the turnover battle once again. Uh, this time, they won the turnover battle three to nothing, and they've extended their season turnover ratio to plus twelve, which is right where we want to be as a team. Rasul Douglas obviously made the play of the game. Perhaps uh, it's kind of hard to say that actually with everything that went on in that second quarter there, but because his pick six was just one of many insane plays in that quarter. But needless to say, Rasul Douglas, I mean, he is now proving. It's gone to the point now. Uh, what is this? Eight games into his Packer career that he's proving that his great play is not a fluke. Like, it would be one thing if he made that play against the Cardinals and he had one pick six against the Rams, and then for the rest of the time he was getting beat and it was bad football, you know what I mean? But – I think after eight solid weeks, we could confidently say that it was no fluke. The man's legit. The man is a legit professional. Uh, and this is the second game in a row with a pick six, obviously first since Herb Adderley. But since coming to the Packers in week six, he's been targeted 46 times, and he's only given up a 54 passer rating and has five pass breakups, three interceptions, and two touchdowns. I mean, the guy's a difference maker. During the bye week awards, I named him the X Factor, the difference maker, and I mean, it's you holding saw up. it right there. It's yeah. holding up. You saw it in that game, and he could have had a second pick six. The ball slipped right out of his right hands. Right out of his hands. He was off to the races again. That should have been. I was, you know, I was looking for those turnovers that game. They should have had maybe three or four, and this should have been their third game this year with maybe three or four interceptions. So if the pass rush can sustain, oh my God, yes. turnovers are going to keep coming. And once Zadarius gets back, exactly. And Jair, Jair let's not forget, in, he yeah. was on the people. I updated you when Zadarius was on the sideline. Jair is now on the sideline. We saw yeah. him last night, so hopefully it is right around the corner. Has he Bach been on the sideline this year? Oh, Bach's been there, oh, yeah. I the believe. whole year? Oh, so okay, yeah. so never mind. But, but Bach should be back any week now. Jair returned to practice last week. My guess is he'll be playing maybe this week, if not definitely against the Browns on Christmas would be my guess. Uh, maybe I'm thinking a lot of guys are trying to get back for Christmas. That's kind of a big stage there, you know. Yeah. The entire nation will be watching. Is that game at Lambeau? Uh, yes, it hopefully is. Hopefully it's a snowy Christmas uh, game. Hopefully it is. But the interesting thing about that with the year coming back, I could not be more pumped about it. Uh, Rasul Douglas is now creating a little bit of a situation, a great situation to have on our hands. I mean, at the start of his time here, Kevin King was battling injury, and he was coming back. And there was discussion on who would be lining up across from Stokes. Uh, would it be Rasul Douglas or Kevin King once King's healthy? At this point, it is clearly obvious that Kevin King has lost his job to Rasul Douglas. Um, it makes sense 
Our defense has improved tremendously since Rasul has been put in there and not Kevin King. In fact, I believe Kevin King only took three defensive snaps last night, and he had actually uh, one clearly obvious special teams mistake. Um, so who knows what's going on with that Kevin King situation. It's a frustrating one, I know. But now there's a real conversation on who's going to be lining up across from Jair Alexander once he comes back, Rasul Douglas or Eric Stokes. Like, what's going to happen? Uh, Rasul Douglas, he's undeniable right now, man. Well, I have an interesting proposition. What if Rasul takes Stokes' spot and Stokes slides over and takes Chandon Sullivan's spot because we have seen that Stokes has a hard time guarding the deep ball because he can't turn around. He doesn't give up a lot of passes deep. He he needs some work guarding the deep ball. Playing that slot position, he, he he's an okay tackler, and he can cover across the middle. He can cover those slants. He's not responsible completely deep. Then you have your three best corners on the field, unless you don't want them on the field. Well, that's the thing. We want them on the field, but it's uh, it's an interesting thing. We I don't know how much work Stokes has gotten at that at that slot position, at that star position, as Joe Barry calls it in his defense. I don't know how much work he's got there. He's easily fast enough and athletic enough to play there, but don't you want that recovery speed out on the perimeter? So I was thinking perhaps they move Jair to the slot. Wow. I mean, who knows? Jair does Jair line up. Is very that. fast, He lines though. up in the slot from time to time. It's just interesting because Rasul Douglas cannot play the slot. He can't. He's too tall and a little too slow to be – playing there he's a perimeter corner for sure uh so it's an interesting thing and who knows they might try out stokes there it could happen but you might be able to stick rasul douglas there if he can if he you could if he uses his height to pick the ball off over the middle you don't need to be the fastest guy especially with amos and savage back there you can kind of just have them run them back to the safeties and then have the safeties take over yeah and i mean it, it also makes sense rasul has been doing a great job at like covering the underneath routes, and like, he stuffs the run too. Yeah, He's a good tackler. And, and he, but like both his pick six came on like just clearly reading like a curl, like just picking off okay the route. So he is good with his anticipation. Obviously, he's J Jerry Gray seems to be coaching him up. He credits him. A you lot. might as well not move him from the outside. I guess there's a lot going on there. Put like Stokes I said, on the other side this, and have Jair. That would be interesting. Th having these are Jair conversations that are obviously above our pay grade, and obviously Lafleur and Joe Barry are going to figure it out. But it just goes to show you that we could talk like this about it. That it's a good problem to have. Oh like, yeah, we have three legit corners Definitely. once Jair gets back and. Uh, and and maybe maybe you don't want them three on the field at the same time, God forbid, so they're all exhausted, and then you leave Chandon in there and then rotate Stokes and uh Yeah. Um Yeah, I mean it's Rasul. just crazy to think that in just eight short weeks Rasul Douglas has I made know. himself. He's undeniable. really infiltrated this defense. Undeniable. He's undeniable. He man. could have just as easily been Kevin King esque. Oh, I mean what was what was the legitimate expectations when we saw that they signed Rasul Douglas? I mean, my expectation was that he was simply not as bad as Yadam. Like, that was all it was. And I, uh, he's exceeded, exceeded every expectation that anyone had for him, and I couldn't be happier for him. Like, yeah, I've just I been really searching be for happy. that Kevin King replacement, and I'm, I'm glad we found oh, well, him. Oh, we found him. We found him all right, and if it wasn't going to be him, it was going to be Stokes. Uh, but with Jair out, things got a little hairy there, and Russell yeah. Douglas ceased Definitely. the day. Uh, and again... Could not be 
any happier for him. That's a, that's a stud right there. Super Bowl! But, Chris, it was not all good on Sunday Night Football. There were some areas um, that were either bad or unfortunate, and this is the time I would like to set aside to speak about the very devastating injury that was suffered along the offensive line, yet another major injury along the it front five. That, it seems like this is a weekly segment now, talking it, about it the devastating it, injury to the it, offensive line. It's really un, it's unreal. I don't know the last time I have seen a Packers season go this way with so many injuries to such important pieces. I mean, every year there's injuries, but this year it just seems like the Packers can't catch a break. They really can't. I mean, Billy Turner went down midway through the second quarter with a knee injury. It was a very ugly-looking knee Yeah, he knee got a injury. flying middle linebacker right to the side of the knee. And it, his knee just like – it was gross. I don't even really like thinking about it because it was so tough to watch. Fortunately, Billy was able to walk off the field what seemed to be his own power, but he was very angry. He con- kind of caused some ruckus in the blue tent. Oh, he, f- he, he was causing ruckus in the blue tent. He threw his helmet. Uh, he was not happy, but it's understandable because he just took – a pretty nasty shot to the knee, and I believe there should have been some sort of repercussion. I mean, why can someone come flying in so low on Billy T? From I don't my know. Perspective, seemed a little a, suspect to me. I think it was a flying middle linebacker who got tripped up, but I you mean, saw it if it wasn't the so. Chicago Bears, I'd be thinking totally different. I see. <laughs> I think. Perhaps there was uh, an opportunity was saw there with a clean <laughs> shot at Billy when he wasn't looking or something. Oh, man. I mean, I don't know. I'm not saying anything. All you I'm saying is— NFL PA to review that no, one? No, no. I'm just saying I'm hoping that whoever's in charge is taking a very close look at that footage. I don't know. I just feel real bad for Billy. I do not like seeing it. And it was a devastating injury that the Packers really cannot afford— at this point of the year, especially not considering Elton Jenkins went down not three weeks ago. Uh, Dennis Kelly had to come in and, and play. He played 42 snaps at right tackle when Billy had to leave the game. And he did all right. And the loss of another starting offensive lineman did not hurt the Packers too badly once again, which is miraculous. Uh, it really is Miraculous. The Packers they let they allowed three sacks on the day. I believe two of them though, or one at least one of them was a coverage sack. I know Robert Quinn had two. He beat Yash a couple times there, uh, especially early in the game. But for the most part, the line did a good job at protecting Aaron Rodgers. I want to use this time to shout out Royce Newman, who did not allow one pressure on the game and According to Pro Football Focus, it was one of his better games blocking for the run. So shout out to Royce Newman for having himself a good game, especially when his rock to the right side of him, Billy Turner, wasn't in there to really help him. Uh, You know, who knows how much Billy Turner truly helps Royce Newman out there. I guess it would be a lot. A lot, substantial Um, amounts, So the fact that Royce was able to play well with Billy being out for a the majority of the snaps, 
is good on him, and I want to shout him out. And it's a testament to everyone involved in the offensive line. I mean, from Coach Stenovich and Butkus, those guys are obviously wizards when it comes to coaching up the O-line. But to Brian Gutekunst for acquiring Dennis Kelly this offseason and, and having such a deep room of offensive linemen uh, to the point where the Packers can go out there with a group of a backup, a third string left tackle, a backup left guard, a backup center, a rookie right guard, and a backup right tackle, and play well. I, again, I don't know how many teams in the league can do that. I'm happy the Packers are still playing well with all the injuries they've had along the offensive line. Let's hope it could hold up. But it seems like for the next couple weeks here, Chris, they will be relying on the combination of Yash, Runyon, LP, Newman, and now Kelly until we hopefully get a David Bakhtiari back or a Josh Meyer back or a Billy Turner back. Uh, so it is not an ideal situation, to say the least. And of course, definitely the worst part of Sunday night's game that we need to go over here is obviously the special teams. I'll start out the special teams talk, Chris, by saying that as expected and as discussed on the bye week special of the Weekly Cheese last week, Mason Crosby got himself together during the bye, and he made every kick he attempted with precision accuracy right through the middle of the uprights. So good on Mason Crosby for doing exactly what we knew he would into the bye and getting himself ready for the home stretch here. And it was nice to see that although there were a ton of special teams mistakes, not one of them was a missed Mason Crosby kick, which is something that we can't have been able to say a lot recently. I, I don't think true Packers fans are worried. I think they, they knew he just had to sync up with Wordle out there. Yeah, yeah. yeah Wordle was they a were big adjustment. They were working a lot during the And Boho, and... well, there was, there was rumors that the Rams decided to not go with Boho over Hecker simply on the fact that he was not as good of a holder. Hecker's got a nicer hold. Yeah, yeah. Oh. that's what the rumor was. Well, we did see those couple bad holds. I was like, I don't know, a couple, couple weeks, weeks ago, ago yeah. but we did see those bad holds. It, was, it seemed to be the entire operation, and I think they did get together and iron things out during the bye. But with that being said, every other aspect of the special teams play on Sunday was so bad that it caused me to – throw my hat into the corner of the room on multiple the floor, times multiple times I was so infuriated with what I was seeing out there I mean they allowed the 98 yard punt return uh, Amari Rogers muffed a punt of his own by the graces of a, a higher power uh, he it got called back it was because it, it went directly from Amari Rogers chest to the ground into that guy's hands. It couldn't have it happened couldn't, more perfectly. Uh, yeah, and he could have really done some damage if not for Yadam picking up a very odd penalty by getting pushed out of bounds or something like that. So we got lucky there, the Packers. And just the horrible coverage in general. I mean, the Bears had five kick returns for 128 yards. 
and three punt returns for 131 yards and a touchdown. I mean, it just seemed as if nothing could go right for the special teams unit. And then to cap it off, MVS drops the ball on the hands team, and it gets returned yeah, for a touchdown. You're, we're lucky that they, yeah, yeah, that doesn't count yeah. because that was a clean touchdown right there, right through the hands, right in, just like the punt. Yeah, it was right ridiculous. into the guy's hands. Things were just not going right. And at this point, 14 weeks into the NFL season, I believe it is safe to say that Mo Drayton is on the hot seat, okay? I mean, the guy was given a promotion this offseason to become the special teams coordinator due to the fact that he has a great relationship with the players. And I'm all for that, and I'm sure he does. But what's going on? I mean, simple coverage things. I mean... Muffed punts all over the place. It it just does not seem to be getting any better for the Packers special teams unit. And that MVS fumble on the hands team was the icing on the cake for me in terms of Mo Drayton. I I've, think I've made up my mind about the guy. I think I don't want him to be the special teams wow. coordinator anymore, to be honest. I mean, I hate to say it, and hopefully things turn around, but does – Anyone else watch that play last night and just get hit with crippling flashbacks to the 2014 NFC Championship game? The Bostic. The Bostic uh, fumble. I mean, can we just all agree that the special teams issues can really come back to haunt us if they don't get cleaned up? Not only did the Bostic thing happen in that 2014 championship game, before that, the Seahawks scored a touchdown on a fake field goal. Like it just, oh my like, goodness! Yeah, dude, it's like special teams. I don't know if my heart can handle. Legitimately, I don't know if I can physically survive a special teams blunder ruining the season. I don't know if I can do it. I, I don't even want to get my mind to that point. <laughs> it needs to get fixed. What is going on? The I don't Bears know. Could have. I don't know. The Bears could have easily won that game, dude. If it. If that if the punt return was allowed and then the onside yeah. kick was allowed to be returned because I think they still got the ball but at that point it was too lit too few you know too, too little, little too time late. but if they were allowed to return that I what would the score have been at that point they, it would have been a one point game oh I believe, my right? yeah they won by fifteen it, the, the oh Packers would have had a one point God. lead if both of those plays happened so it, it just can't happen and last night I hope serves as a, like a, an eye-opening moment for Mo Drayton, and he starts drilling those guys differently at practice. I mean, something's got to change in the prep preparation, either mentally or physically. Something's got to change, right? I don't know, it, and they might they might need to sign a returner. Usually teams can just make a returner out of a skill position player, but they, they need to find somebody that can return the football. I really couldn't agree more. It seems as if since Micah Hyde left the building, they've had no one to return punts or kicks for them. And, I mean, at this point, I think they need to just put the Amari Rodgers kick returning on ice for the season. Uh, I mean, third-round draft pick. Obviously, he fell that deep into the draft due to the fact that he was going to take a couple years to get acclimated to the NFL's speed and strength levels. I mean, he was still developing in that sense. So... They just need to put that to rest, and, and you're right, Chris. They need to go find someone last year to solve this issue. Once Darius Shepard was having his return issues, they went and signed 
Tavon Austin to be the return man, and they had Tyler Irvin come in uh, to be the return man. So hopefully something does get done as the weeks go on here. But, yeah, Amari Rodgers just needs to focus on getting stronger and more confident if he's going to be our return man because even when he does catch the ball, he seems very timid hitting holes and trying to advance the ball down the field. So I would – I'm all for getting someone else back there. But who knows? We'll see what Mo Drayton decides to do. Super Bowl! But really, that should do it for this edition of the Weekly Cheese. Chris, yeah, got anything you want to add before we get out of here? Anything you want to plug, man? (laughs) Cheese on everything coming soon. This was stated prior. We had a test run episode go down and... Yeah, we're we're getting things going. We're getting things going. Look for the cheese on everything, which is our other sports talk show where we talk about everything else that's not Packer related. Everything else going on in the football world, everything going on in the sports world in general. Here are our hot takes and a little more laid back opinion type show uh, with me and Chris. Uh, the cheese on everything coming this Wednesday. So just yeah, keep keep an eye out for that. Uh, but yeah, in the until then. Thank you all for listening. This has been another great episode of the Week of Cheese. Yeah, Chris? I don't remember if the fan vols, the Pro Bowl is fan voted, but if it is, vote Rasul Douglas for the Pro Bowl. That's right, of course. Do, vote all the Packers for the Pro Bowl. Get everyone their love on there. Vote as many times as you possibly can. Let's try to get as much green and gold represented in the Pro Bowl as we can. Uh, also, also, keep an eye out for... The weekly cheese pregame preview, where we'll be previewing the upcoming game against the Baltimore Ravens. That's coming Saturday. Cheese on everything coming Wednesday. If you like the content, remember subscribe to the YouTube channel. Leave a like below. Uh, if you don't like it, hey, feel free to dislike it and, and chirp us in the comment section. We're really just looking for some some interaction there. The YouTube, we want to get it going a little bit. Uh, Thank you to the Spotify listeners. If you're listening on Spotify, I know a couple more have joined the Weekly Cheese on Spotify throughout the past couple weeks. Uh, also, follow us on Instagram at theweekly.cheese, on TikTok at theweeklycheese.podcast. Things are blowing up on the TikTok, almost at the 300 follower mark. Uh, Nicolette Water liked our last Insta- our last TikTok, so uh, it's good to see the official Packer Water support in the weekly cheese um yeah we'll talk to you all later this week everyone as always remember the cheese stands alone and go pack (laughs) 